This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we can go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your very next order. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And joining us today to talk about a variety of topics, we've got a very good friend of the show, site expert over at Space City Scoop, and team member at Apollo Media, my man Anthony Duckett. How's it going, Anthony? I'm doing well, man. How about you? I am uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm excited that, you know, we we have a Rockets win to kind of talk about. And it's, you know, these are strange times, my friend, for Rockets fans where, you know, you look at the team and yeah, they won a game, but then you know you got that creeping thought in your in the back of your mind where where you're like, well, was it worth it? You know, if they if they come up a little short at the end of the season, they fall out of that t- that bottom three. You know, maybe finish number four, number five, bottom in the league. Like, you know, suddenly the chances of getting a top top pick become rather slim. Do you look back at some of these wins and think, man, they should have played Avery Bradley more minutes than they did? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, first of all, you're awesome with the the, the consistency with Bradley. <laughs> um, but hey, man, now, I say, hey, man, I stay on brand. <laughs> I see that. Um, but no, I haven't had that thought about about the Rockets uh, having won too many games. I mean, the reason why is because the Timberwolves have also won a little bit more of late. Um, in fact, the Rockets at one point were only like a half game up on Minnesota. So, I mean, Minnesota can continue to win. Uh, I see Orlando is having a hard time tanking. I mean, they've been trying to, and they're still still winning games, even with lineups that are not ones that you would expect for them to win games with. So, I mean, as Rocket, long as Rockets it, legend James Ennis, man, he's he's out there in Ennis the menace. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, as long as these other teams that, you know, would be threats to us getting a top four, you know, or bottom four record and top four pick, as long as they keep winning, then I, I think we can win here and there. <laughs> I, and, you know, I, I kind of agree with that sentiment, and that's more or less where my head has been at. It's just, you know, for me, it was more of the, that, like, it's that nagging thought kind of at the back of my mind. Like, it's not like I'm I'm not worried about it. It's not at the forefront. I'm not pressed, but it, it's just kind of there because that's just kind of how this season has trended. And, you know, the one saving grace behind this entire train wreck of a season is, hey, they might be able to walk away with a top prospect. They might walk away with a Cade Cunningham or an Evan Mobley or a Jalen Suggs. And that's something that we're actually going to talk about a little bit later on in segment three as we we have the first in a long time, just to remind you guys, like there is the call in line 713-487-5457. If you want to drop a voicemail for the show, I will play it back on this show. And we will talk about whatever you want to talk about. So we have Robert's voicemail that we're going to get to in segment three, but 
Anthony, first thing, you know, to, to kind of revisit the, the win against the Mavericks, um, there was an area of concern that I didn't get to address in my recap of that game. And, you know, because there's only so much time in one podcast to tackle so many topics. And the area that did stand out to me a little bit, and this is going to be the area, this is going to be kind of the theme moving forward for this Rockets team, trying to figure out what direction they're going in, how they want to, you know, deal with this rebuild essentially um, and how they're going to incorporate John Wall in all of this. But in this game against the Mavericks, Wall's usage rating was significantly higher than Kevin Porter Jr.'s. And I know that a lot of Rockets fans were, you know, very eager to jump the gun and get rid of John Wall because they want to just hand the keys over to Kevin Porter Jr. But after seeing how Wall was able to really steer the ship at the end of the game against the Mavericks and, you know, didn't do so in a way that felt like the kind of hero ball antics that we had seen from him during the losing streak. It really felt like he was, you know, calm, cool, collected, playing within the flow of the offense, not forcing uh, anything against the Mavericks, thankfully. Uh, But in that fourth quarter, Wall had a 41.2% usage rating, and Kevin Porter Jr. was all the way down to 16.7%. And that's an area, Anthony, that I've had some concerns about, you know, if Wall is out there, you know, another dominant guard, does it reduce Kevin Porter Jr.'s chances to rise to the occasion in those big moments? You know, you kind of see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I mean, I understand that... um that concern I think that it's they're gonna have to so I think that the rest of this season will be good opportunities for them to learn how to share the floor together how to play together they really haven't had that many games uh because wall being injured obviously KPJ was brought in later in the season they really haven't had that many games where they've both been in the starting backcourt um because that really happened once they traded all the depot but even then since then walls missed a few games so they really haven't had a lot of games a lot of playing time together i feel like so that's kind of natural it's going to ebb and flow and take some time to work those kinks out um i i personally like how wall actually carried us um against dallas during that whole entire game I, i think that him having a higher usage rate is not really as big of a problem if he's playing as well as he did, you know, running the offense. Um, you know, he 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 had he was sixty point nine percent efficiency. I want to say true shooting, um, or somewhere around there during that game. And then um, his offensive rating was was the the best on the team. So I mean, if he's playing well, then I'm not really as concerned about his usage rate. Uh, being higher, I think that becomes more of an issue if he's um, having a lot of the games that we saw kind of earlier in the year from him. I guess that's that's really the the argument to be made. Then is you know yeah, Wall had a great game you know against the Mavericks. What happens when he has another clunker where he's you know forcing shots where he you know isn't hitting where he doesn't start the game four or five from behind the three point line where he's not you know nailing everything that he's throwing up and you know in those moments is he a going to be willing to to realize hey I don't have it tonight right right like I need to focus on getting other guys more involved and I need to maybe take a back seat and and you know let KPJ kind of take over a little bit or let you know or or you know funnel the ball more so to Christian Wood rather than you know try and create everything or create for myself and that's the mentality shift that you know it it seems like we're 
going to be getting out of him. Um, it really felt like, uh, I'm trying to remember which game it was, and he had a really, really rough game, and, and I think you know a lot of Rockets fans were kind of at his neck. Yeah, I think it was a Minnesota game. You're right. And, uh, you know, a lot of Rockets fans were, like, really at his neck. And then he had a really great bounce back, right, you know, against Minnesota the very next night. And he, uh, you know, turned it around and, you know, played well. You know, I think he only had, like, 12 or 13 shot attempts the next game, really focused on facilitating the basketball. And so if that's the wall that we get moving forward, then I'm for it. But it's it's that back and forth where if he still thinks he's the number one guy, if he thinks he's going to – you know, be steering this team or trying to drag this team to the playoffs by himself, that can't be the mentality moving forward. But, you know, as far as him, you know, him sticking around as a veteran to kind of lead this group of young guys, are you, where, where's your head at as far as like, are you still on wall Island? Have you given up residence there? Like, do you want to see him stay for the long term? Do you think he's just going to stay for the long term because his contract is so bad? Or do you want to see the Rockets try to move past him? Well, it's been so up and down, man. I know earlier in the year, you and I had discussed around a trade deadline. Um, I had brought the idea of, of selling high on him because he, he's played well uh, this year, better than I would have thought someone who missed two years, two entire years would have, you know, first, you know, coming back from an injury, a major injury like he had, or injuries, I should say, plural, like he's had. I didn't expect him to play as well as he played this season. Um, so I initially was saying if I thought it made sense if they decide to go the direction of trading him um i think that th- th- this is kind of where i stand on moving him i mean he's owed like 88 million the next two years i think it's like 41 next year and then 47 i think maybe the year afterwards if i had that right and so i mean if you're trading him you're gonna bring in that much salary it's like i just think that at a certain point that that does get kind of old i mean we keep on trading players and bringing in new guys maybe they're on expiring deal and then once that deals up then what are you doing next are you gonna get a draft pick are you gonna get the right package back for him if you trade him um so i do think it's a little bit of his contract is so bad that i would rather i would honestly rather keep him well i say i'd rather keep him than bring back you know 41 million or whatever the number is uh worth of incoming salaries now, with that being said, that totally depends on what you brought up earlier is I agree with you that it seems like at times he has his mindset of like, I'm the well, he said it, I'm the franchise player here, you know, and he, it seems like at times he doesn't understand that he does not have to to drive everything, you know, late in games. You know, uh, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have to mean him taking shots. You know, he can take a backseat. We have enough talent on the team for him to take a backseat, especially when Wood is playing, which is a different conversation because I don't like a lot of Wood's recent comments. But um, but, yeah, I mean, if he understands that he can take a backseat at times and that he will have to be able to do that and embraces that. Then I'm all for keeping him, especially after what he said after the game against Dallas, where he's talking about, you know, I want to be here. I love this city. I mean, how many <laughs> the Houston sports have taken so many hits across the board, with, you know, with players. Went out, <laughs> it's been, it's been rough going. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, how many people have we heard say, I love this city this year, <laughs> you know, um, and then not be a backhanded, like, I love the city, but, I, you know, I'm in a different place now, but I still love those guys. Like, you know, so him saying that, I, I also love hearing him say that he's taking on, you know, KPJ as a mentor, right, helping be a professional. I love all that. So if he's if he's able to package that, 
with understanding that his role does not have to be the de facto, then I don't really have an argument for not keeping him. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm more or less kind of in that same boat. Um, you know, and I, I've walked myself through the, you know, the, the mental gymnastics of getting to that point as well, where it's okay. Well, you've got the, you've got the, there's so many variables, right? The contract, his play, his, you know, his value off the court, you know, as a mentor to the young guys. And I think it just does ultimately boil down to that is probably the route that it's most likely going to wind up being. Now we're going to get into another discussion here in segment three, um, when we kind of talk about the upcoming draft and how that, and depending on what pick the Rockets get, could potentially accelerate John Wall's timeline as a Houston Rocket. Um, but I do, Anthony. I just want to say, uh, just on a side note, you know, how you, you mentioned how many people are going around saying, you know, I love this city. I would say that uh, Gerald Green probably just, you know, goes to sleep every night muttering under his breath, "I love this city. I, lo- I love this city." I- I love yeah. Houston, H Town. Like, like that. Like that's that's probably what Gerald Green says every single night. Just kind of, you know, if he's, you know, kind of tossing and turning little night terrors, whatever. No, I kid. But um, you know, you, very very good points there, and I, I think you and I are pretty much on the same page there. But I'm you. You said a moment ago that you, you know, feel some feel some kind of way about the comments from Christian Wood, and that's what I want to focus on coming up here in just a moment. So we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. When's the last time that you had a protein bar that you actually really, really enjoyed? Like you sunk your teeth into it and you thought, damn, this is a really good protein bar. If the answer is never, you need to check out Built Bar. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. My personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk, can't go wrong with it. But they've got salted caramel, toffee almond, coconut, lemon almond cheesecake, you name it. They probably have it. And the special thing about these bars, right, is they're not traditional protein bars. They're basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. They're covered in 100% delicious chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great if you're on a keto diet and you can check them out just go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your very next order again that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com and continuing on here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new locked on today podcast peter bukowski hosts locked on today a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts start your day with all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes subscribe to locked on today wherever you get your podcasts but right now we are chatting with space city scoops anthony duckett now anthony you alluded to the fact that you don't like some of the comments coming out of Christian Wood recently, and maybe that's maybe I'm rephrasing it a little bit too strongly there. But please enlighten us. What what exactly haven't you liked that you've heard from Christian Wood? So, this was the comments that he made after the Phoenix Suns game. Basically, he said, you know, he started out saying, you know, I don't make any, you know, I'm not one to complain. First of all, side note: anytime someone says I don't, I'm not one to complain, or I don't like to complain, but they're about to do that. <laughs> so he's like, I don't like to complain or make excuses. I think is what he said. I don't make excuses about anything. He's like, but I don't have any kind of design plays. You know, I try to do what I can to flow the offense. I don't have any design plays. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, you took 21 shots that night. You know what I mean? Like you let the team in minutes and shot attempts. So I, you don't really have an argument behind like, well, I don't have enough design plays. I mean, first off, again, if you're taking 21 shots, 
I don't really think that you have a viable complaint. Now, maybe maybe we could say, well, maybe he's taking shots late in the shot clock, or maybe he gets the ball late in the shot clock. Maybe that, that could be the case. But what I don't really like about that comment or those comments from him is that when I'm watching Christian Wood, I want him to be more aggressive. You know, he has to command the ball, you know, when he's on a block or whatever. The, I mean, he just – I don't gather that – you know, if John Wall's taking too many shots or if he feels like, you know, I need to be more involved, he's got to assert himself. You know, he's talked a lot about wanting to be the leader and wanting to, you know, mold himself, mature himself into that player, that vocal presence, that that leader, franchise player, whatever the case. Well, that's a great way to show it. If, you, if you're trying to say, I'm that guy, I'm the number one, the de facto, you know, and then you feel like you should be getting more touches, then you got to let make that be known. Like, hey, give me the rock, you know. Um, and if you're taking 21 shots and you can't complain, you're not getting the rock, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and I, I feel there, I, or I, feel, I, I should say, I feel you there because that was actually something that, you know, Ali Khan and Bijani and I spent a little bit of time talking about this, just kind of the idea. And I think, uh, you know, people kind of took that quote and, and misconstrued it to an extent, That's true. but I, That's I, true. I, I'm with you in the sense that I would like to see Christian would be a little bit more dominant. And I think it's. You know, bigs in the NBA are in such an awkward spot because at the end of the day, they have to rely on their guards to get them the ball in spots where they can be successful. And unfortunately for Christian Wood, he doesn't have a traditional like post up back to the basket, you know, big man style of game. A lot of his game is, you know, reliant on the five out spacing, facing up his defender and using his natural speed, agility, explosion to beat opposing bigs off the dribble. And, you know, especially as Ali Kambijani highlighted off the catch. So, right, the Rockets have their five out spacing. There's, you know, KPJ, Wall, Augustine, whoever drives the ball in, initially breaks down the defense and then gets a kick out to Christian Wood, who then either A, gets to shoot the three-point shot or B, has a defender that's rushing to close out on him and then he gets to then, you know, operate off the catch and drive the ball in and finish inside, you know, off the bounce, whether it be, you know, right at the rim or inside, just inside the painted area with that kind of feathery touch that he has. But I get what he means by he doesn't have any set or designed plays, quote unquote, um, because he has to essentially create a lot of his own offense minus um, some of the the pick and roll opportunities that he gets with Wall, with KPJ, which I personally would like to see more of those. Um, But I also think that we were kind of spoiled for a long time with the pick and roll with James Harden, where we've kind of come to expect this pick and roll to be this, this magical play that you can just go to every single, whenever you need a bucket, Oh, just run pick and roll, just run high pick and roll. It's going to, somebody's going to get a bucket. It's going to be a layup or a three or a dunk or a lob pattern. It's like, no, it's not really that easy. Otherwise we would have seen other teams across the NBA run, you know, a steady diet of, of, of pick and roll or as much pick and roll as the Rockets did for years with James Harden. The thing is James Harden makes that pick and roll so deadly because he's James Harden. So John Wall, isn't that Kevin Porter jr. Isn't that yet knock on wood. Um, but, um, so I do think that there's, there's areas that they can probably make his life a little bit easier in, um, but I do agree with you, the sentiment that, you know, he he does need to be a bit more aggressive. You know, there's so many plays where he tries to take the ball in and, you know, he feels a little bit of the contact and he tries to just power up through the contact. And it, it almost doesn't even look like he's trying to finish some of these shots. 
And then he right, you know, he stands there with his hands up, like, "Hey, what happened? Where's my whistle?" And it's like, it's like, no, right. man, like you you need to not be fishing for these foul calls. Don't seek the contact. Like, and this was something that we. This was something that we struggled with James Harden with for years, right? Is, you know, we were pretty frustrated with him for a while there where at times it felt like Harden was working more actively for the foul call, for the whistle, than he was to actually finish the shot. And I know that was an area that, you know, of contention that I personally was frustrated with him in. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, and so, like, same thing for Christian Wood, where it's like, no, if you just focus on getting the best shot possible, if you're also fouled, great. If you get the whistles, if you get the and ones, if a foul causes you to miss the shot, fine, so be it. You'll get rewarded at the free throw line, but you got to actually make your free throws once you're there. So, you know, shout out, Christian. Practice your free throws, please. (laughs) Um, But... You know, I'd like to see that a little bit more of that focus from him. And we've even heard we've heard Steven Silas comment on that, how, you know, he feels that at times the players get too distracted, too caught up in what's going on with the referees where they're not focused enough on the game. They're busy complaining a call, you know, about a call or whatever, and they're not getting back on defense or, or this, that or the other thing. And so I think that's kind of one of those. I think that's one of those mental areas where this team is still a really young team. Christian Wood, just 25, right now, being thrust into his first, you know, premier role in the league. And there's going to be some of those mental blocks, those mental walls that they have to kind of fight past. And I think that element, you know, looking for fouls or being frustrated when when things aren't going your way specifically, those are some of the areas that this team is going to have to kind of learn to dig deep and grow past. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, cer- certainly no doubt about that. And I think the, you know, to go back to his comments, what I also am, am bothered by is I question, is he being that assertive on the floor, right? Because he doesn't seem to have the the type of personality to say, hey, guys, give me the ball. Hey, guys, I want the rock. You know, whether he's talking to KPJ or John Wall or even whether he's asking Silas, hey, can I, you know, can I get more, more involved or whatever the case, um, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that has that type of, a personality that the type of guy that has that you know persona demeanor so if you're going to talk about that in a press conference after the game but you aren't maybe maybe he is but if you're not saying that on the floor then it's like why are you telling us that you know yeah it, right you know don't you know don't don't come back and complain just post game and I, I think it's it's probably too too harsh I, I probably shouldn't use the word complain um you know I think that Ultimately, right, there's a lot of things that are still in flux with this team. They're they're still trying to figure out a lot of it. But one area that has been pretty promising is seeing how effective Christian Wood and Kelly Olynyk have been on the court together at the same time. Um, and I think that Kelly Olynyk has just been a guy that has actually you know provided. Uh, a lot of support for this Rockets team. Does a lot of little things really, really well. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't realize Kelly Olynyk was this good. Like, like legitimately. Um, <laughs> Nobody he, did. <laughs> he, he's just, he's just a really good all around player, man. And you know, I'm excited that he's you know here with the Rockets. And you know, based on how he's played so far, uh, you know, are in your mind, Anthony? You know, he's not quite the timeline fit for this Rockets team. He's 29, um, but you know, he's making a little over 12 million this year. Uh, contract year for him. Based on how he's looked, granted it's a it's a small sample size right now, but would you like to see him back as a Rocket next season? Yes or no? I would say absolutely. Um, I am in agreement with you that he has been much much better and different than I expected. Right? Nobody thought that he was going to be this good. Frankly, 
Um, he went from, man, he went from being viewed as like a salary filler, <laughs> a throw in for a trade to like a fan favorite. Like we've got to keep this guy, you know, a lot of the comments that Steven Silas even recently made, where you talked about how he plays that he makes it easier for everybody else to play. Well, um, I think that there's definitely some truth to that, whether he's grabbing 18 boards or whether he's, you know, I mean, he, he, he's averaged 17 a game since he's been here. And this is a guy that we were convinced wouldn't even put wouldn't even play for us. I'm like, there was talk that Rockets might buy him out once he once he got traded here. You know, 17 and seven. Um, and, I mean, he's shooting nearly 42 percent from three on five attempts a game. I mean, the efficiency has been astronomical. What I do worry about is I've seen at least I've seen uh, Miami Twitter, Miami Heat Twitter, and they're of course probably trying to. Um, make themselves feel better. Uh, but, <laughs> but I've seen suggestions that maybe this is just because in the contract year, right, he's playing better because, you know, the contract's going to be up. And I guess I, I understand some of that, but I also think that the fit has been so natural that I don't really think that's going to be an issue, right? Um, he's not going to get paid, like, obviously not max money. So I don't. I also don't buy the whole, like, well, he's just – you know, playing better to raise his value. His value is not really going to – I mean, even though he's playing great right now, I don't think his value is going to be raised that much from a standpoint of an average annual value, you know, yearly contract. Um, so, in my opinion, if you can get the, – the deal he's on right now is four years, 50 million. So that's about 12 and a half per year. If you can get Olenek at the, I think, 8 to 10 million range per year, I'd be comfortable bringing him back on a three-year deal um four year uh, i would say no more than four years three four year deal so what, what would that be uh 24 million on three year deal 30 million or so i mean just at eight to ten range i'd be pretty comfortable bringing him back at that number based on what we've seen uh the comments that silas has talked about um that's kind of where i stand on that what about you um i think that if they were able to get him back at you know anywhere in that eight to ten million range for however many years he wants, I, I think that that's an absolute steal for the production that he actually brings. That's a guy who can be a starting caliber player at your four or your five spot. He's also somebody that could be a really great presence to bring in off the bench, depending on how they want their lineup to look, which is something that we'll talk about here in just a brief moment once we get to our message from Robert um, and how this team is going to you know potentially be at a fork or a crossroads, uh, you know, once the NBA draft rolls around. But I think that 8 to 10 is probably undershooting his value, honestly. Um, really? Really. Uh, I mean, and, and part of it is we've seen shooters get paid. And he's not like a – he's not a bona fide, you know, like three-point specialist shooter like a Davis Bertans or a Joe Harris type. But yeah. he's competent enough and he does enough other things really, really well that – I think I would be hard pressed to imagine him taking less than what his current deal is. Um, so I think, you know, we're looking down because you've got to imagine there's got to be a team out there that would love to have a 6'10 switchable big who can pass, who can defend, who can, you know, shoot, who can play five out, um, you know, who just kind of knows his role, doesn't need to be like a first or a second or a third or even a fourth option. He's just a guy that, you know, is going to be happy to slot in there, take the open shots he's given, play off the bench, play in the starting lineup, do whatever he needs to do. 
And so I think genuinely, like, I think his number is going to be somewhere in that 12 to 15 range instead of the 8 to 10 range. Um, And I think that once you start encroaching upon that, you know, 13, 14, 15 mil per year territory, I think that's where you start getting into, into a question mark of, okay, is it worth retaining him if you're the Rockets? Like, do you go, do you, they've got his bird rights. So, like, do they go above the cap, you know, to, to re-sign him? And honestly, I'm going to lean yes. Like, even if it was up to, you know, 15 million a year for Kelly Olenek, I'm going to lean yes. And, like, just, and this is a small sample size, but based on how he's looked playing alongside the guys in in Silas's system so far, I think that he's a contract that could very easily be moved, at, you know, if it's just at that $14, $15 million a year range. I don't think that's an albatross contract. I mean, that's kind of essentially what we were talking about with Eric Gordon, right? He's kind of in that similar range. And Eric Gordon was a guy that we genuinely thought up until his his injury, we thought the Rockets were going to be able to flip him at the deadline possibly for some value. And this was after an offseason where we thought the Rockets were going to have to attach assets just to get rid of Eric Gordon. So... With Kelly Olynyk, I don't. I, I like the pairing alongside Christian Wood. I like what he provides to the team, and I want to see him stay moving forward. And I think that that price point is going to be probably that that twelve to fifteen range. That's kind of where my head's at. If it's twelve to fifteen million, I don't know that I'm in agreement on that. I don't know that. I mean, as much as I like the fit, especially with Wood. And again, based on all the things that we've seen him, he's pretty much done everything well that the Rockets have asked and more. Uh, Kelly Olenek has since being here. But uh, I just don't know that I would want to go over the cap um, to give him that. And I don't really think that he'll have that kind of value. I mean, this is a guy that he played well in the finals last year, like 12 and 6. He was averaging um shooting 41% from three or so. And no, nobody around the league was trying to trade for him, even on an expiring deal. So, I mean, I don't really know that. Does he really well, to be, have... to be, to be fair, it's because Miami was trying to run it all back, right? Like that, you know, they just made it to the finals. And so they thought that he was going to, you know, be another big piece of what they were trying to accomplish this season. And unfortunately he was having a bit of a down year and, you know, sometimes a change of scenery kind of helps, um, and I say down year, I know that he was struggling with the three ball. Um, I didn't yeah. get to watch enough of him in Miami to know, although I was warned by David Ramil that he'll have one game where he shoots lights out from three and then go cold for like the next 10 games. So that was his, <laughs> his little like, you know, foreshadowing of, you know, the Kelly Olenek experience. Um, but I think that was probably part of the reason why, right? Why, why would anybody be, you know, why would Miami even entertain offers for him when he was a big part of what got them to the finals last year. You know, he was, he was a helpful piece in that puzzle. So, you know, I'm again, I think we're, we're kind of working off of a really small sample size here and it, it does depend on what other teams have to offer this summer. But ultimately the Rockets need, another big besides Christian Wood. That was something that we saw was prevalent throughout this entire season, right? As soon as Christian Wood went down, they had to rely on DeMarcus Cousins. Then they had to rely on two G League centers. Like, they need another serviceable, consistent big alongside Christian Wood. And I think that they have that in Kelly Olenek, another very multi-talented big who can play five out, who can pass, who can roll, who can defend, who can switch. And being able to play both of those guys either simultaneously on the court or just having 
Olenek backing up Christian Wood, even if you only play them, you know, one at one one of them at a time. I think it provides a lot of optionality, which is one of those buzzwords that we know that Steven Silas and Rafael Stone really love. And so that's why it wouldn't shock me if they go a little bit above what we kind of what we maybe would want to pay for him to retain his services if he's receiving offers from elsewhere. So that's kind of where my head is at on him. But there's another guy we we got to talk about. The draft stuff here in just a second, and we gotta we gotta field that voicemail message from Robert, and we're gonna do that after a quick message from our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football's been gone for a minute, college basketball just ended, but NBA, NHL, and MLB are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. So head over to their website and sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON, that's L. O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball as we are chatting with Space City Scoop's Anthony Duckett. Now, we we need to get to this voicemail from Robert because I think it's a really great prompt and I want to discuss it here with Anthony in just a moment. So let's go ahead and play that back for you guys. Hey, Jackson. Hey, Locked on Rockets community. Uh, This is Robert here from Houston, Texas. My question is, do we overvalue Cade Cunningham over Jalen Suggs. Because after this tournament, Jalen Suggs has proved that he's got the skill, the IQ, and, you know, the talent to lead championship teams. You know, you look at that Gonzaga team and, you know, they're very good, but, you know, would they be the in the place they're at with that Jalen Suggs? I, I, to, in my opinion, I think a backcourt of Jalen Suggs and Kevin Porter Jr. is a lot more versatile and a lineup of Kevin Porter Jr. and Cade Cunningham. Uh, I think now that we know what we've got in that future guard, I think putting another guard alongside him with the higher IQ, that doesn't really need to score the ball so much. I think that's going to benefit us a lot. Let me know what you think. Huge fan. Appreciate you for always putting smiles on our faces every day, talking about these Houston Rockets good and bad times. All right, H-Town out. Appreciate you calling in, Robert, dropping in that message, because I think it's a, a really interesting topic. Um, and, and I've got a couple immediate takeaways from it, but but before I even get to that, because I, I, first I want to give Anthony a chance to share what he thinks about it first, but I do have to say, Anthony, as I'm sitting here looking at the Google transcription of Robert's message, it says, instead of saying Cade Cunningham, it says Cade Cutting Edge. So Google <laughs> Google heard Cutting Edge instead of Cunningham, and I think that if the Rockets do draft Cade Cunningham, his nickname, just based off of this one Google transcription, has to become Cade Cutting Edge, or we got to figure out some way to bring that back because that, that that's just hilarious. <laughs> um, but Anthony, go ahead and what, what's your how do you feel about this? Are are we overrating Cade Cunningham? Do the Rockets, you know? need to go the Jalen Suggs route because they've already got, you know, a talented guard in Kevin Porter Jr. What are your thoughts about Robert's message? I don't think so. I think that that could be a take that's maybe more uh, common now because obviously Suggs had a great tournament, you know, um, the leadership leading the team to a title game, hitting big shots, you know, 
Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe think that that he can make a strong case for the top pick. But in my opinion, I still think that Cunningham is the better player, and especially for this team. Um, I mean, he's got great size for a combo guard, 6'7". We're talking about somebody that can shoot, defend, uh, and make plays all at an elite level. Um, Suggs, I will say Suggs is probably the better playmaker and scorer right now, but I, I think Cunningham has a lot more potential um, and a lot more defensive potential. A lot of what Suggs did, and again, Suggs is a great player, but I mean, that team that he played on was so stacked, so loaded that, you know, while they would not have been in that position that they were in down, you know, without him, I think you're still talking about a really good team with a lot of a lot more talent around him. So in my opinion, I, I think that Cunningham is the better player. Um, again, with the size, you know, his ability to, to play either guard position, he probably even play the three. Um, I, I like Cunningham better uh, still for, for this team. In a way, right, and this is something, one, positions are such an old, you know, outdated thing, right? Like positions obviously kind of almost don't even matter anymore. And one of my takeaways from this is I I do firmly believe that Cade is the better prospect overall, higher ceiling, um, better all-around player, just top to bottom. Uh, You know, I I think that clearly there's certain tiers in this draft. You've got Cade is is one tier by himself. You've got Suggs and Mobley in the next tier. Maybe you make the argument that Suggs has kind of separated himself a little bit further from Mobley, although I think Mobley's definitely got that kind of unicorn uh, game about him that makes him really special, really unique, can't teach size, all those different things. And then that's the second tier. And then you've got, you know, kind of the the next tier of guys after that. But the one thing that really stood out to me from Robert, for, from your message, is saying that we know what we have in in Kevin Porter Jr., that we, we've got, you know, this future guard. He, yes, he's promising, but I would push back on saying that we know what we have. We have no idea what we have in Kevin Porter Jr. yet. His, like, what he could potentially pan out to be, the talent level is absolutely all there, but there's a possibility that he caps out as, like, I don't know, a really good sixth man of the year maybe. Like, that could be where he he winds up career-wise. Or he's got the tools, the talent level to potentially be, again, like, you know, a a baby James Harden-esque type player with the court vision, you know, the handles, the finishing ability. If he gets his shot to a consistent level, you know, he'll become lethal for sure. So we don't know what we have with KPJ yet. And I think that's where I stand on, like, you know, saying, oh, well, we know that KPJ is going to be XYZ down the line, which is why we should pair him with another backcourt mate in Jalen Suggs. And, you know, somebody who n- maybe not necessarily needs the ball in his hands to be effective, you know, to be a playmaker, to facilitate for the team, whatever. And that's kind of my pushback there is we don't know exactly what we have with Kevin Porter Jr. And to me, I think that if you're talking about setting up the Rockets for the best possible case moving forward in the future, I think it's you know, all be- it's got to be all, all the chips in on Cade Cunningham, right? If you were going to give the Rockets the number one overall pick and if they drafted Jalen Suggs over Cade Cunningham with the number one overall pick, I think it has potential to be as disastrous, if not more disastrous, than taking Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. Like, I mean, look at how the Kings <laughs> are kicking themselves for yeah. what they did in taking Bagley over... Um, over Luca, and, and that comes comes back to the old adage, which we've seen time and time again blow up in teams' faces, is teams who draft for fit at the top of the draft versus talent. 
And I think that at the end of the day, you should always go talent. How about you, Anthony? I I think it's always talent when you're at the top of the draft. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Regardless of what type of uh, lineup you want to roll out, you're going to always be better off taking the most talented player, regardless of of position or fit. Because like you said, I mean, we're in an era of positionless basketball. It doesn't really matter what position someone plays. But on top of that, great players have the ability to adjust and adapt their game. Um, what I would push back on with the Kevin Porter Jr. deal, I while I do agree that he is still a bit of a question mark, uh, we've gotten a very small sample size. All we've really seen is the G League, which is obviously the tier below competition from the NBA level, of course. Um, and then, you know, this stretch that we've seen, which have had some some highs and lows, great moments, and then also some not-so-great games. Um, I do think that he has the ability to – the ceiling on KPJ is so high. I, I just think he's still so raw, right? He's still really learning the point guard position. Um, but the guy's – I mean, the guy's a bucket. He can score at ease. Um, he's shown that he's got some good court vision too. We've seen – you know, we've seen some dimes, especially lately – um well really uh, since he joined the Rockets this season um so again while I do think that the pardon comparisons have that's been a little bit annoying I think that's more so indicted indictment of a franchise fan base that's you know looking for something to cheer for positive because you're taking so many different L's (laughs) in one year that you just are hoping that this can be that um so I don't like the hardening comparisons but I do think that I don't really worry about can KPJ play with X player or can can KPJ's game adapt, you know, to a fit alongside X player. I'm not really worried about that, but I do agree with you on you've got to go with the best talent, most talented uh, every time in a draft. And in, in that regard, though, and this will be kind of our closing little bit here, last little topic that we brush on. And uh, we, we mentioned this earlier, but if the Rockets do – Say maybe they you know they miss out on the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes they land number two overall or number three and let's just say for a moment that they do walk away with Jalen Suggs what do you do moving forward like you know how how do you structure this lineup moving forward when you have John Wall Kevin Porter Jr Jalen Suggs and the fact that Eric Gordon still exists, even though he's out due to injury right now, he's still around. How do you structure a lineup with that many guards who are going to need minutes? Do you then, does that then accelerate the timetable for John Wall or do they, you know, do they just bring Suggs off the bench at that point? And they say, nope, we're going to keep the starting backcourt of Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. And Jalen Suggs is just going to have to come off the bench and, you know, and back up one of those two guys. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that yet. And I, I, I want to say it probably does. Um, but at the same time, this is a team that wants to be able to jump back into being competitive next season. I don't think that they have to be competitive next season, especially because they own their pick next season. So if they do bottom out again, it's not the end of the world to get another top prospect to pair with an already exciting, talented young core. But this organization has has made no, you know, what's the expression that I'm looking for? Wow, I'm blanking. 
Well, that's that's that that's kind of a sign that we're we're coming towards the tail end of the <laughs> podcast. I'm over here running out of juice, apparently. No, but but legitimately, right? The organization has has not hidden the fact that they had no intentions of tanking this year. They have yeah. no intentions of tanking next year. They want to be competitive, and so does that mean that they're going to prioritize playing guys like John Wall, playing veterans? You know, kind of having this interesting mix of both youth and veteran talent to try and field a competitive roster versus, you know, giving, you know, expediting John Wall's departure for the sake of, you know, getting more reps in for these younger guys, which is something that I I kind of I'm leaning away from at this point. I'm thinking that's probably something that they're not going to prioritize, right? If it if it happens to be Cade that they get and he can slot into the starting lineup, great, they'll do it. But if they draft Suggs or Mobley and it doesn't make sense to start one of them and they're going to try to be competitive next year, then maybe they're going to be bringing a top prospect off the bench. I don't know. It's a weird situation, right? Yeah, I mean, and and again, if we're bringing one of the top guys off the bench, I mean, if that ends up being KPJ, I would worry about how he would handle that uh, mentally. Yeah, from a, from a mental perspective, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think that would be the right way to go about it. Obviously, Wall's going to be starting. Um, I suppose you could bring Suggs off the bench. I mean, he's a, he's a rookie. That ki- that kind of has to be like the de facto is like if they do get Suggs, right? You know, if that's the guy that they draft and they've still got John Wall and they don't plan on moving moving on from him, it's not like you can start a three-guard set. I mean, <laughs> like right, right. It, it could, <laughs> but... Um, right. Well, then you no, also have yeah. the question, I mean, what do you do with DJ Augustine, right? Um, he's still under contract for next season as well. Um, and you mentioned Gordon as well. I mean, you you would be very, very guard heavy. And I just don't know that that would be the right approach. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of this is, is very much up in the air and, you know, speculative until we get to the draft and see what actually happens with the damn pick. Um, I know that that's, that's the thing that we're all just waiting on is like, okay, what's, you know, let's, let's just hurry up and roll these dice. Um, speaking of, you know what, we'll, you know what, Anthony, we're going to roll these dice just to go ahead and knock one out just to see, we're going to, we're going to play time machine right now. We're just going to fast forward to the, uh, you know, to the, the draft lottery and we're going to see exactly where the rockets land. So let's go ahead and run some numbers right now. Season ends. We're fast forwarding. Hot tub time machine. Let's go. Bam. Uh, okay, number three overall. So OKC lands the number one overall pick, which means they're taking Cade Cunningham. The Orlando Magic land number two. So Anthony, play Orlando Magic GM. Who are you taking at number two? Suggs or Mobley? It's tough to say because the Magic have they've they've got such a their roster now is uh, they've gone through quite a bit of change. If I'm Orlando, I'm thinking about if I'm Orlando. I'm going to say that they probably go. I'm going to say they go Mobley. All right. Then Houston walks away with Jalen Suggs and we have 17 million guards on the roster. We are the guard version of the New York Knicks from a couple years ago <laughs> when they signed 17 power forwards in the offseason, which is a wacky, amazing spot to end today's episode. Anthony, I really appreciate you taking the time to come hang out, talk uh, a bunch of you know various topics when it comes to the Houston Rockets. Always a pleasure to be able to bring you on the show, my man. Why don't you let everybody know where to track you down at? Find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. Also be on the lookout, Space City Scoop uh, as well, at Space City underscore Scoop on Twitter as well. So always enjoy being on the uh, the show. Uh, glad to be able to join you again, brother. 
Absolutely, man. Um, for today's episode, hopefully you enjoyed our, our discussions, uh, our back and forth about some of these topics. Uh, but for today's show, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.